everyone wants to know more about the NHL's next stars. You've come to the right place. From the local arenas... Jack Quinn has it! Fired the score! Ottawa ties the game in Following up, slap shot, flower, that's six points for Alexi Lafreniere! To the World Juniors... Tavares backhand towards the goal, loose puck, Everly scores! Tie game! Can you believe it? Works in, beats Parsons, makes the stop, and the United States has won the gold medal in Montreal. Here comes Thomas with a chance, Luther Betty scores! Akil Thomas has given Canada the lead! For less than four minutes to go in the third period! To the draft stage and beyond. The Edmonton Oilers would like to select with their first pick. Donna, proud to announce. The New York Rangers are proud to select Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Alexi Lafreniere. Nick and Frankie are here to let you know what's up and say some things that make no sense along the way. Montreal is without a doubt going to be contending for a cup in the next couple years, if not this season. Why is your jersey blue and gray? You're listening to the Hockey Prospect Report. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Hockey Prospect Report. I'm Frankie, and along with me is not Nick, because Nick isn't here for this one today. But that's not that all that important, because we have a solid interview to get to today. Uh, There won't be just much of us talking, but there is a big talking point out in the Western Hockey League right now with Connor Bedard. Uh, If you haven't heard of him, he's the first ever exceptional status player in the history of the WHL. Uh, He's right now sitting at 10 points in 6 games with 5 goals and 5 assists. He's been absolutely lights out for the Regina Pats. Uh, as well, we've got a little bit of a conversation about the Ontario Hockey League and how that's shaping up for them, how they're not on the ice, you know, all, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but it's a conversation with Rod Peterson. Uh, you might know him from the CFL coverage that I've done previously on the 13th Man podcast, uh, but he's also a Regina Pats guy. So we'll have a conversation with him. And without further ado, we'll get right into that now. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today we've got one of my favorite guests we've ever had on the show, Mr. Rod <laughs> Peterson, uh, one of our connections in the CFL as well with the Regina Pats. So wonderful to have you on today, Rod. Frankie, it's always good to see you, bud. I'm excited about it. All right, well, yeah, we, we talked about wanting to talk about a little uh, junior hockey stuff the last time you came on with us. So here we are. Um, we'll start out with uh, with Connor Bedard, though, main topic of today. Um, he's been absolutely exceptional so far with the with the pats um what when, when Connor bedard was drafted were you on there was, there was some skepticism about whether he was actually ready to be in the whl where, where did you stand on that when he was drafted well frankie i think in the short time we've known each other you know me pretty well enough now that when i heard about this i talked to everybody and he was brought on my radar about a month before he got the exceptional tag by the former voice of the Pats in the 80s, Kevin Gallant, good friend of mine, living in North Vancouver. His son played with Connor. So he's like, you need to watch out for this kid. Like he's on, he's the next one. And I'm like, okay. So then the exceptional tag came and then the WHL had their Bantam lottery and a God shot, the Regina Pats who just happened to, you know, they won the lottery, which they were going to take Connor Bedard, right? And we had talked to the commissioner, Ron Robinson of the Western Hockey League. And I said, Ron, what all goes into an exceptional tag, exceptional player tag? He said, it's not us, it's Hockey Canada. So what the exact, you, you would know all this because you guys have had so many in Ontario, but Connor yeah. Bedard's the first ever in the Western Hockey League. So, I, you know, they talk about obviously skills, but maturity is a big one. Intelligence is a big one. And Ron said he passed all those checks. 
And then we had him on our show before the draft and then right after the draft. And honestly, Frankie was like talking to a 45 year old. Like he makes me feel this big for being immature talking to him. You know what I mean? Like he was in no way cocky, but I, as far as handling the pressure, he's like, man, like he doesn't feel pressure. I really don't. So he turned 15 in, I think it was July, late June or July. And then, uh, then the season was postponed. And as you know, he went to over to play in Sweden, but he was only there for 10 days. We saw the video clips of him over there. And at 15, he fit in with the older kids. And then he came back and uh, now we're in the bubble. And I think the important, a really important thing I want to throw to people is Hockey Canada felt he was ready. So it doesn't matter what I think or what anybody thinks. They felt he was ready. But on a Zoom call like this, three days before the first game, which was a week ago Friday against Prince Albert, he said he was very nervous. He's just being honest. He's a good Canadian hockey player. And uh, Sammy Cosentino, who would need no introduction to you, came on our show and he said the entire hockey world's watching that first game against PA. Right? Like, I don't think people understood the pressure on Connor. Right? It was like, you better live up to this tag that we gave you because we only give it to special players. And then he, go, he wasn't in the starting lineup, but he did play all five positions on the power play. And as you saw, plotted two goals in 45 seconds against PA. And it was literally, okay, it's on. And here we are five games in and he's got nine points. He leads all players in the Eastern hub. All seven teams in the Eastern division are playing right here in Regina. And he's just dazzling. And I'm sorry to go on so long, but I'll, I'll just say this. Opposition players are taking runs at him now. Uh, I, you knew that wouldn't take long, exactly. right? Like he's taken cheap shots. He's a target. And I've had some people say to me, can you tone down the Bedard hype? Like we're getting sick of it already. And I'm like, no, we're televising every game. We need viewers. This kid deserves it. I'm not going to tone it down. If he had flopped, I probably wouldn't be, but he's answered the bell every single time. And I don't even think McDavid or Tavares had the points out of the gate that he's had yeah. at 15. Well, I, I just look at it too. We had we had Shane Wright get that exceptional tag in the Ontario League last year. He had an exceptional year, uh, but I feel like the pressure for him was pretty minimal getting that tag, considering we've seen so many in the O. Like you've said, we've had Tavares, Sean Day got one, uh, Shane Wright as well, and then uh, Connor McDavid. Like so many guys. Do you feel like there was a, a bit of an added pressure for him being the first in the dub? Well, yeah, and the thing is. In a way, I felt guilty of the amount that I was hyping it because in the Zoom news conferences with the Pats head coach and GM, Dave Struish and John Paddock, who you'd know, they really want him just to be treated, Frankie, like one of the guys. And you got a sense from the veteran players that they feel that he's just one of the guys. But I'm like, guys, he's not. And you know that he's not. You know, and it's I guess I guess you don't need me saying it every single time I open my mouth that he's the first ever exceptional player tag. And I should remind you, not as familiar with the OHL history as I am with the dub. There had been 15 year old players play before like 30 years ago. He's not the first 15 year old player to play in the league, but he's definitely the first exceptional player. So yeah, that, that, that just adds, that just adds to it. But after he potted two that first night, I'm like, if he's admitted to being nervous before, what's he going to do when he's comfortable? <laughs> this is what he does, you know, when he's squeezing his stick. And I assume you've seen the highlights. I mean, his calling card, is his shot. I don't know how hard it is. I don't, if it's been clocked, I haven't seen it, but he gets it away as fast as Matthews. My point is just, is it as hard as Austin Matthews? He's a lot younger than Austin Matthews, but these are the kind of dazzling skills that he has. And the other thing is, cause you don't, 
have the opportunity, I don't think, to watch the entire game. He darts in and out. He's so shifty. I was, I'm like, he looks like the mouse. We should call him the mouse. And then I thought, eh, that, that doesn't match his skills. But that's, yeah. that's, he's just very elusive. I mean, he has changes direction, shifts out of a check so fast. So he's, he has literally got it all. We're just kind of wondering how big he's going to end up being because you see how big McDavid and Tavares are. Aaron Eckblad is another guy. He's nowhere near done growing. But if he doesn't, he could play. I mean, he's, he's that good right now, skill-wise. Yeah. And to, to your point as, as well as a 15-year-old playing in the WHL, we had one last year in, uh, in Winnipeg with uh, Matthew Savoy or Savoy, however you pronounce his name. Savoy, yeah. yeah. And, like, he, he was impressive, but Bedard's on a whole different level. Like, there's – I don't think there's much of a comparison between the two. Like, even with Shane right now, that's the guy that he's going to draw a comparison to a lot in my eyes because they're just a year apart, and they both got back-to-back seasons. So, you know, to be this impressive at the, at the age of 15 is, is, is mind-blowing. Well, I'm actually – trying to tone it down a little bit because Savoy is playing in the USHL, as you probably know, because they got going before the dub did. So he's not even around the Pats. Next game is Tuesday night against the Winnipeg ice. It would have been nice to see them match up against each other, but Savoy's not going to be there, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out another 15 year old, he's playing for the Moose Shell Warriors, which is 40 miles to the West of us. And his name's Braden Yager. And he went th- third overall in the same draft as Bedard. The two went head-to-head last week, and Jagger had a goal and two assists. And I'm sitting there going, the rule is you can only play five games at 15 if you're not an exceptional player. So I did a little digging. Well, his midget team, isn't his under-18 team, isn't playing. And the rule is also that if your team's done, you can play an unlimited amount of games. So that's the rule that Jagger's playing under. Yeah, so it's the same in Ontario. I didn't know that. But it's it's just on a fun night-to-night basis uh, – Braden Yager is probably going to be a top 10 pick. But as we sit here today, they're talking Connor Bedard, number one overall pick in a couple of years time. And I can't imagine how good he'll be by then. Because again, he's 15, Frankie, leading all seven teams in scoring. Yeah. Nine points in five games. What else is there to do? Yeah, exactly. And like to say that he's going to keep up this pace the whole season might be a little bit optimistic because eventually you would think that somebody's going to figure him out and, and be able to stop him. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be, you know, a point of game player or whatnot. And like, as we sit right now, five games, five goals, four assists, nine total points. Like what, what has been the thing that you find to be just the most impressive about him both on and off the ice, I guess. Well, his, uh, his demeanor. I mean, I, (laughs) I rarely see him smile. I, I hope that changes. I mean, we had Jordan Eberle here and I was talking about this on my show today. Jordan, to this day, if you watch him with the Islanders, he's always smiling. He's always having fun. Always have. I mean, when he pots a goal, he smiles and pops out his mouth. He's fun. Connor is incredibly intense. Now, he didn't, it's not to say that he's not having fun out there. Jordan Wheel, we had come through here, right? And actually, the two Jordans played together. Um, it's, it's, it's his intensity. I mean, he's not going to drop the gloves. He's probably not going to throw a check. Nobody expects him to. But just... I haven't even, I haven't been at practice. The media is not allowed, but they say his battle in drills is second to none. So I guess it's his fire. I don't know what McDavid or Tavares did at 15. You would have seen him come through Ottawa. Like did they, obviously they played a regular shift, but were they in the corners? Were they digging out pucks? Because Connor's doing that too. 
He's not just standing in this in a slot, finishing off passing plays. He's digging out the puck. And I guess that would be the one thing in his defensive play. He's very reg- regularly found in his own zone below the goal line. And, and that whether, whether that's natural by him or somebody drilled it into him, I'm not sure, but he wants to be the 200 foot player. And he's that. And that's to me, that's really impressive at the junior hockey level. Cause I watched Connor McDavid come into Ottawa at the age of 18 packed arena. And I watched him give zero effort on a back check. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, you're this, you're this talented and you don't want to do that. Like that, that, that annoyed me so much. But to see guys now, uh, Connor Bedard, Shane Wright, Marco Rossi last year was a treat to watch and that kind of stuff. To me, perfecting that 200-foot game is, is so important. And, uh, yeah, to, to know that he's being able to, he's doing that at the age of 15 at the highest level he possibly can be at right now, I love it. Well, and the amazing thing is, it's funny, because if you don't do it in junior, you wouldn't think they'll, you'll do it in the NHL. But we watch all the Oilers games. We're in their TV region. And Connor's back-checking now. McDavid, yeah. that is. <laughs> so Somebody, probably Dave Tippett, taught him how to do it. Well, but with $13 million a year, you better. <laughs> you better be a complete player. But Connor Bedard's doing it now. It just doesn't seem like anybody had to tell him. But the other thing is, I mean, when they say hockey IQ, like Frankie, I was raised in the game. But that term's fairly new within the last 10 years. Would this qualify as hockey IQ? Like, I understand going to where the puck is. I get that. Not every, or sorry, where it's going to be. Not everybody can do that. But the other night, I mentioned his height at 5'8". A Brandon defenseman lowered his shoulder right into it, right in his face along the wall. And he went down and he was hurt. There's no doubt. But he could see out of his eye that he saw that ref's arm came up. And he's like, if I stay down, they're not going to keep me out in the power play. He popped right up like shook it off and stayed out for the power play. I would call that hockey IQ. You know, he, he didn't want to miss a shift. And that is, that is impressive. But the other thing, Brandon has some really big skyscraper defensemen. And the other night they were manhandling him down low in the offensive zone. And they, he's 5'8", 160 pounds. What do you think's going to happen? So that yeah. he, he can't battle that. You know, he's just got to get bigger. But as far as anybody trying to check him along the boards, that's where that most comparison comes in. He just sneaks through a crack and he's gone, yeah. you know, and it's, and you're seeing defensemen are now starting to uh, back off because he's got another gear, not McDavid gear, but he's got another gear. And the other interesting thing is Moose Jaw Warriors coach, Mark O'Leary, you might remember him. He's an OHL guy. I think he played in Guelph. He had a comment in the paper the other day that his players were guilty of just standing around watching Connor Bedard which is human nature, right? But he had to wake guys up and say, do you want to check him? Do you want to put the body on him? So it's sort of like, will the, will this play live up to the hype? How long will this go on? It, it has lived up to, to the hype to this point. I'm waiting for the night that he's held pointless. It, it might happen Tuesday night against Winnipeg. I'm not sure, but I'll guarantee you that he's been a, he's always going to be a factor. Yeah, that's it. Like, even if you, if you don't put up points, you got to be effective. And I think that's what was so impressive about Shane Wright last season was that even when he didn't score, he was one of the front and best players. So, you know, if Bedard's able to do that, like he, he's the guy that's going to lead that team. If they hope to go on a Memorial cup run in my eyes, you know, in the next three years, just like Shane Wright's going to be the one that leads the front neck. So, you know, maybe we'll get to see those two in a Memorial cup against one another. <laughs> that would be absolutely fantastic. 
Yeah, well, and that, the sad thing is what's going to happen before that happens? I mean, so <clears throat> talk about the Hub Center. A lot of people are asking me, what's it like to be in the bubble? And it's it's super cool, but it's not like we're used to, Frankie, where you talk with the scouts and you talk with the coaches. Like if you just look at our arena, the players, coaches, and staff are on the south side where the benches are and that whole side of the rink. We, the media, are on the north side where the broadcasts uh, booths are, and you can't cross. Like, yeah. you couldn't go talk to a coach or a player. And the scouts are in the north end, and you can't, if you run into them, go into the bathroom between, between periods. If you stop to talk, people give you a dirty look. You know what I mean? So there's very little talk amongst the hockey guys, which sucks. But it came up the other day as, where is the next Memorial Cup? Because last year, it was supposed to be in Kelowna in 2020. And I can't remember. Is it always supposed to be Ontario this it, year? It was looking like it was going to be Sault Ste. Marie. This year? Yeah. Yeah. So if they don't play, there's no Memorial Cup. I don't know how they could be because the, the talk here right now, as you know, each division's playing independently, exactly the same as the NHL. The NHL will have playoffs, but we're not sure if the Western League will even have playoffs because yeah. people have to remember the players have been in the bubble for two and a half months. Let's just talk about the East Division. They just want to get through it COVID-free. They want to play the 24-game schedule. And so touch wood, so far that's happened. But then do they want to stay in the bubble and play a playoff after that? And how are you doing it? You're not playing against other divisions. So I just, I don't, and the OHL's not even playing. Exactly. So how could, how could they ever say that there's going to be a Memorial Cup this year? And I think they gifted Kelowna the 2022 Memorial Cup because they were robbed in 2020. So that's where I don't envy the junior hockey leaders because they got some major headaches here right now. They've already gone through a lot of headaches just to get onto the ice. And back, by the way, to the Memorial Cup. It was here in Regina in 2018, as you recall. It was the 100th Memorial Cup. I think Ottawa put in a bid, and a very good one from what I understand. But it was the 100th year of the Pats and the 100th year of the Memorial Cup. It was a slam dunk. We had Sam Steele on the Pats roster. And nobody in Regina really even knew who he was till he was 19 because he wasn't really marketed. This is a football town. Yeah. You and I have discussed that. So my thing is now I'm trying to wake people up and go, we got this guy here. And he might only be here, Frankie, three years, 15, 16, 17. Who knows what the Memorial Cup landscape is going to be by then? So, so watch now. You don't want this guy gone to the NHL and you go, oh, whoa, I should have watched him when I had a chance. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sitting here as a 67s guy who knows the team's not going to be as solid. I'm enthused by what Kingston's done. I'd love to see Wright and Bedard match up because, again, those are going to be the two comparisons. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the bubble situation, though, because it looks like that's where we're going to be headed with the OHL. What has that experience been like uh, for the players that you may have had a chance to speak to? What I keep hearing... Some of them have come from academy atmospheres like Notre Dame College, where it's basically a bubble out there in Wilcox. It's 25 miles south of where I'm sitting right now. So for them, it's just it's, if you've ever gone to university and lived in dorms, it's the same thing. And for a teenage hockey player who's waited a year to even play, they're not complaining a whole lot. But all they're seeing is their teammates 24-7. I mean, you go on a 21-day road trip in the Western Hockey League and you're sick of everybody. Like, can you imagine living with them for 65, 70 days? So they're not complaining and it could, and good on them for not. Um, there's been no COVID tests, again, positive tests. So, uh, you know, touch wood on that. But I, could, I would think that it's wearing on them. And the other night we had a Pats 
Brandon game. And it was very sluggish for like the first period and a half. And I'm thinking, did the excitement of the first week drop, right? Are they over that initial excitement? And I think that would be human nature. I, again, nobody's complained. Some have been through it before. They're just happy to be playing hockey. And if anybody can withstand it, it's junior hockey players. But yeah, I would think it would wear on you after a while. Yeah. And I, I, a lot of the talk to from fans, people on the outside has been, oh, 24 games isn't worth it. Just cancel the season. Uh, what, what would you say would be your take on, like, if, if you're the OHL, do you want to play those 24 games? You just say, forget it. Well, anybody that says, why would you just, they don't know what they're talking about. And I heard that a ton here all summer and fall. So I just walked away from people. I didn't want to get in an argument. You, they, they, they don't understand Frankie. And there are a lot of NHL scouts in the building when the Pats play, I'd say 30 to 40. I mean, every single team has a scout that lives here and uh, they're getting enough out of the 24 games to get a proper evaluation. That's what they tell me. And my dad was a scout for 26 years in the NHL. So I, I believe that's true. They're not moving the draft back. You, you know, they're keeping it at the end of June. So if the OHL is going to play, they're going to have to play soon. And if it's only 24 games, I think you're getting, I think you're getting a pretty good read on it. But for junior a, they, they haven't played here in Saskatchewan. And it actually all comes down to money and they just can't afford it. And people are saying, you know, at, at this point, why bother? And I just, you don't, you don't understand. I mean, I just say this coming from a hockey family for families that have spent thousands upon thousands of dollars to further a kid's career all the time. He's put in the weight room, spring and summer hockey, and then to get to your draft year or 19 and 20 and not play my God, it would be unfathomably depressing. Yeah. And I, I honestly don't think people understand that Frankie. I don't think they do. I agree. Like I I've watched the, the storm on Twitter of, you know, Andrew Perot stood up and he's he's tweeting at Lisa McLeod every single day about how they should be back on the ice. I've watched, you know, guys say that if I don't play this year, my OHL career is done, like, and I'll have no chance. Uh, there's guys who were robbed of a chance to compete at the Memorial Cup or and, and could be robbed of their last season entirely. So I think, like, get doing anything you can possibly do to get those guys back on the ice because it, it, it might be the last high-level hockey game they ever play. What's the reaction to Perot's tweets? I've seen them, by the way, but I never went into his replies. What, it's, what's it been like? There's been a lot of, of positive feedback for him. Um, and, and I guess people who are being negative are just kind of staying away. Uh, because at the, end, like at the end of the day, that's a player's opinion. He wants to be back on the ice safely. And they've, they've said that countless times. Get us on the ice safely. That's all they want. Yeah, well, I think the other thing is if you lose a playoff and the chance to play in the Memorial Cup, it sucks. I think you can get over that. There are guys losing professional opportunities and university scholarship opportunities because they're not playing. Yeah. So now we're talking about a decision here that affects the rest of your life over a virus. <laughs> and I've kind of shut up on this because I was getting a lot of pushback from people, as you can imagine. I was very vocal in, in opposition of the restrictions. And I thought, well, if you guys in the leagues aren't going to step up and say it, why would I put my neck on the line? But it's even harder for them when they see the USHL playing and the NAHL playing, yeah. right? That, that, that's the part that makes no sense. It's gone all the way up to Dean Brown of the Senators. I'm sure you follow him on Twitter saying, why do we have these lockdowns? Our hospitals are empty. I'm like, oh, my God, Dean. But he's just speaking on behalf of sports. Somebody has to, you know, and, and thank God for Perot for doing that, too. I, I, but in the end, I don't think it makes any difference. 
government's going to make their decisions no matter what the blowback is. We've seen that here over the last year. Yeah, uh, it's and you brought up uh, draft eligible guys. Uh, we got one here in Ottawa, uh, Jack Matier. He came in his rookie season. He was playing with Noel Hoffenmeyer on the first pair defensively last year. Uh, in in Kevin, he pushed Kevin Ball down to the second line, who represented Team Canada two years ago. Um, he's ranked somewhere in the sixth or seventh round, I believe. I said that he's going to rise massively if they ever get back on the ice. And to see him not have that chance is it's, it's really bothersome because he should have this chance to improve his stock. And like at this point, he might not even get drafted if they don't hit the ice. So, you know, it's, it's hard for those kind of guys. Well, the only thing that I can think is he's going to get the opportunity next year, assuming all goes well, but all of a sudden you've got twice as many players eligible from the OHL in the draft. They can't take them all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some, some guys are going to get squeezed out. And I just think the general public not only doesn't know, but I don't think they care. You know, and that's, that's that whole we're all in this together. <laughs> not that I've seen. So I, I hope that they get on the ice in the OHL. One thing Sam Costantino said, by the way, and maybe you're aware of this, he said David Branch was furious that the report got out that they were looking at bubbles and that they were close to a decision. And I, that's what I thought was going to happen in the Western league. When Jeff Merrick tweeted the exact same thing, like I'm thinking it hadn't been signed off on and clearly it wasn't in Ontario either. And all it would take would be the top doctor or in your case, Lisa McLeod to look at that tweet and go, Oh really? And not happen. And I was kind of going, can we just relax and realize how badly these guys want to play hockey? Can we give them a little slack here? And maybe in the end they did uh, with the Ontario government, but I see they're still not playing. So, yeah. Yeah. And no formal announcement about anything. Nobody knows what's going on. Uh, people have said, OHL, please shut up until something happens. And here we are two months after they said that. And they're like, uh, can you guys tell us something like what's going on? Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard reports that players have been being brought back from Europe. Um, I know there's guys who sign deals that are supposed to show up whenever the season starts and like, nobody knows anything. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm on the uh, the train of there's there's a players not playing movement started by OHL insiders. Andrew Perot is is still talking about all that, uh, his his petition and stuff. Everybody just wants to get back on the ice from every different angle of this. Well, if you're hearing that, I would say that's positive about players coming back from Europe and so forth, because that's exactly how it started here. Like round around the 1st of February, I heard, oh, players are entering quarantine at their billet. The uh, underage guys that were in the AHL are coming back. Nobody's talking about it. And you know what? Although we're half a country apart from each other, human nature doesn't change. (laughs) So, uh, Frankie, the good news is that that's how it started here. So fingers crossed that that's that it continues to move that way. Yeah. I mean, they said they want to have an announcement by the end of the month. So we're not too far from that now. We're going to find out fairly shortly whether the ohl is getting back on the ice or not so who knows probably no memorial cup at this point but if you can if you can believe that how many times have we heard an announcements coming up right so (laughs) i guess if you can wait another week our announcement was our last announcement we got said that we were going to be on the ice playing hockey february 2nd and it is now march 22nd and nobody's touched the ice so here we are yeah, I know. I wish I, I wish I had better news for you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Rod, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. Uh, your opinion is always very valued on uh, to me, to Shane on the other podcast, and to Nick on this podcast. So we love having you on. 
You know, Frankie, I love coming on. I love talking junior hockey. There's not enough of us out there that love it so much. So uh, any chance and uh, let's do it again. Yeah, we've got a little bit more than just Canadians listen to us. So you can go ahead and shout out your show for those who might not know you. Uh, thanks. Uh, Rod Peterson show airs daily on Game Plus TV network at noon Eastern. And you can watch it on YouTube and Facebook live daily at noon Eastern and comment along on the show. It's the Rod Peterson show. Just search it and you'll find it. Thanks, Frankie. No problem. Thank you very much.